It's time for Caught on Tape with Doug Murin. And now your host, Doug Murin. Hey, greetings. Today we come back and we're going we're gonna to talk about how to, how to increase your faith, how, to, uh, uh, how faith really works from uh, one of the parables of Jesus. And uh, I think you'll enjoy the tape. I'm going to come back in. I've got a few things I want to talk about today. But why don't we get started? Let's go right into the message. And uh, thank you for listening. Thanks for spreading the word about caught on, uh, of course, we say caught on tape. People don't use tapes anymore, but everybody pretty much knows what that means. Sounds better than than caught on a chip. Uh, so anyway, take a listen. And I'll, as I said, I'll be back in a few minutes. This is Doug Murin on Caught on Tape Live. We're going to deal with the topic, a question Christ has for us that is related to... Uh, Receiving a gift that will help us in an uptight world that we just heard about. Uh, Are you finding the stress level kind of gradually rising around you all the time? How many are are experiencing that? You know, I'm convinced the only real uh, fortification we can receive against stress is faith. The, The true biblical gift of faith. I mean, you may exercise and run. In fact, I had a doc the other day tell me that he was concerned about the jogging craze because he felt that many men particularly jog. So, not the jogging's bad. It's very good. I like to do it once a year. Um, <laughs> there was, he was worried that it was a way to allow us to continue in an, an adrenaline pattern that could, could be harmful if that was the reason we were doing that. And that he was concerned that we need to find inner peace to deal with stress. Stress has to be handled from the inside out. Now, of course, we want to be healthy, and that's part of it. Everyone knows a good workout can make you feel pretty peaceful, and that's great. But nonetheless, ultimately, true stress-resistant living, I'm convinced, comes from what Jesus Christ talked about in terms of faith. In fact, in one of the scenes out of the Bible, when the storms are raging at sea, and the disciples became fearful, and the Greek word there is anxious or nervous, Christ looked at them and he said, Why are you afraid, ye of little faith? And so, ultimately, faith is the supreme antidote to Amer- for Americans who live in a stress-pounding environment. We're looking at, this morning, a question. It's our final part of this series that we titled, Hey, God Has a Question for You. We started this series so we would begin developing a little different habit pattern uh, than what is customary to humans, and that is most humans, we spend most of our time questioning God, asking him questions, and feeling he's pretty impressed with the uh, level of uh, inquiry we can bring to him. And you read the Bible, you find out that God really is more interested in asking us questions than answering the ones that we would direct toward him. This morning, our question restated, and I'll say it first, then we'll read the parable that's uh, found in Luke 18, verse 1. The question simply stated, are you receiving or are you ready to receive authentic faith? Are you receiving or are you ready to receive authentic faith? We're going to read a parable. And then I want to define for you this morning the faith that Jesus is wondering if there will be any left on earth. And then I want to ask us this morning, as Christ would, are we receiving that kind of faith? If not, how can we? And then if we have received it, how can we cause this authentic kind of faith to increase in our life? Let's read together verse 1 of Luke 18. It says, Then Jesus told his disciples a parable 
to show them that they should always pray and not give up. You might want to circle that, that they should always pray and not give up. This is a clue. He's giving you the motivation uh, for this parable. He is concerned that the basic environment we live in in this planet would be so stress-ridden that as one began to experience the wonderful realm of prayer, we would be tempted to give up, hence have an inauthentic kind of faith. Authentic faith is marked by a high degree of persistence. We'll see in this parable. Verse 2. He said, In a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about men. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, Grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, Even though I don't fear God or care about men, Yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually wear me out with her coming. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he put them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and how fast quickly. However, and here's the key phrase, however, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? And that is our primary textual question. Let's say that together. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Christ's concern is that we receive authentic faith. There's a lot of different kinds of faiths out there. and I think the question he's going to pose us with is, what, what kind of faith are we developing? Is it inauthentic or authentic believing? Um, I'd like to describe what I think he meant by authentic faith after we review the parable just a bit. Um, in this parable, there are two key figures. One is a crooked judge who doesn't like God and doesn't like men. And he gives you a, you know, he's, gives you a pretty, a pretty a strong picture. He's one nasty fella. Did you, did you catch that? The other figure is a widow. Now, when we think of widows, we need to posit it in the biblical culture because our notion of, of widows is quite a bit different than what would have been in Christ's time. Uh, you know, in our time, widows can be quite independent and, and, in fact, quite wealthy and certainly have a great deal of, of uh, opportunity. Uh, it isn't always the case. But in Jesus' day, if you were widowed, you were really in a sorry state because there were no Social Security programs, there were no retirement plans, and except for the point oh 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 one percent of the population, uh, death was certain once your main source of income was gone. In Christ's day, there was a noted tendency for children even to not take care of the elderly. Uh, women weren't allowed to read. They certainly didn't have skills that they could make incomes with. And they weren't even, when it came to church, allowed to be on the main floor. The women were up in the balcony where they wouldn't cause problems. That's why Jesus was a radical person for his day. The picture we're to see here is that this woman has no regard by anyone. She is, she is worse than a bag lady. And the judge is a careless, heartless person... The point of the parable is not that God is like the judge and that we are like the widow. It isn't that at all. This is a parable that is a study in contrast. We are being shown that God is not at all like this unjust judge 
and we are not at all in the same state as the widow. Yet in this parable, as corrupt and as awful a situation as they are in, this widow gets a response in the most unfriendly of environments because of her persistence. And Christ's point is, if this unjust judge will respond to her, certainly when we come to God, He will answer our prayers. And He says here quickly. His concern is, however, that in a basically faith-unfriendly environment, highly stressed out world, we may feel like the answer doesn't come quickly enough, and the way we would like it. And hence, we would abandon authentic faith for an inauthentic faith that is kind of short-sighted. It's myopic. And his concern is that he would teach his disciples the qualities that are related to true biblical faith that have to do with a great deal of persistence. If you're going to have authentic faith, you're going to have to move through some breakthrough points. There are thresholds you must pass through. Now, let me describe faith as the Bible would describe it. Uh, We have a lot of discussions about faith that uh, revolve around, uh, you know, Christianity versus uh, challenging or oppositional faith. We have a new age faith in our time. We have just generic ways that we discuss belief in persons or things. I think it would do us well to define what we mean by faith in terms of a biblical approach. Now, Rather than go to a dictionary and define faith, what I thought I would do is go through about five ways the Bible describes authentic faith. There are facts about faith I want to share with you. Also, a couple couple ways that faith works, and then we'll we'll conclude this morning. Hey, uh, I'm going to kind of inter- interrupt here and uh, take care of some. Uh, well, well, I guess we could call it business. Uh, this is a this is a faith operated mi- ministry. I have a lot of friends who've helped us put this on there, and we always need more friends because I'll. I'll tell you, one of the things we want to do with this show is not just explain how faith works and do evangelism, but there's another part of the show that we're working with uh, uh, the network on. They're little little short vignettes about how to receive Christ, little evangelism. And uh, I've got some sponsors, but I would like to see if I couldn't get some people who listen to the show regularly who want to uh, invest some funds to buy airtime at times when people who probably are seeking something in their life would be listening to FM stations or, or even the station you're listening to now. If you'd like to help us with any contribution, it really will only go toward airtime. It doesn't doesn't go to anything else. If you want to help out, here's the simplest way is go to your go to your computer, go pull up Bing or Google or whatever you do. Put in DougMirrenRadio.com. DougMeRadio.com. And in there, there's a little section where you can give by PayPal or my address is there where you can contribute. And rather than have you go find a pen and write down an address, just, just everybody's got a computer. Go to your computer, look it up, and you could help me reach people. Uh, that's, that's what we're wanting to do right now. And I need to raise some money to be able to do that. I have some friends who've gotten me a good chunk of the way there, and we'll put it toward airtime here. Thank you for taking the time to consider that. I'm, I'm praying for some people to respond. 
And in the meantime, let's get back to our message and uh, grow in how faith works, shall we? And another way to support the Caught on Tape broadcast, when you purchase Logos Bible software products, a portion of those proceeds will benefit this radio program. Just go to Logos.com slash Caught on Tape. That's Logos.com slash Caught on Tape. And now back to more Caught on Tape with Doug Murin. So what is faith? (laughs) Well, it is possible to have inauthentic faith. There are several factors you'll find about faith. Number one, you may want to write these down, in the Bible... There's no problem. They aren't cooking anything back there. Nothing. Just, oh, they are cooking? Shame on them. Tell them I would like to have a prayer meeting with them after service. <laughs> to all our guests, this is an unusual morning. Ha, ha, ha. Okay. Faith is a gift. You don't want to forget that. Galatians 2.20. Galatians 2.20 says this, The life that we now live, we live by the faith of the Son of God. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12 describes faith as a gift. Romans 10 describes it as a gift that comes when you hear the Word of God. You must never forget that, because I know when I started coming to Christ and wanting to grow in Him, I just... I just tried so hard to have great faith. And the more I tried, the less I had. It's one of those phenomenons, you know. The more you try, the worse it gets. Faith is a gift from God. It comes from Him, and all you can do is receive it. That's why the Bible says no one can come to God because they choose to or they're brilliant. The Bible says no one can come to Christ or the Father through Christ unless it's given them by the Father through the Holy Spirit. Faith is a gift that comes from Him to us. And as we believe, we receive faith from Him that increases. So how do we get it? Well, (laughs) the Holy Spirit comes. And and I think one of the first things that happens is there there are godly desires that begin to develop as we grow in Christ and when we initially make a decision to follow Him. You can spot it in these ways. Authentic faith is, secondly, a commitment. Authentic faith always involves commitment. I had a friend who was dating three women. And he, he said he loved every one of them. And his quandary was he couldn't figure out which one he wanted to marry. He wanted to marry... One of them, but he couldn't figure out which one. Ultimately, he did marry one of the three he was dating, and none of the three knew that he you know, found out about it. It worked out quite smooth for him. But, as I explained to him, the nature of marriage is that it is a commitment. When one chooses a husband or a wife, you rule out the possibilities of any other mate. The Bible describes faith as a marriage. You'll find a synonymous use of this concept that when one makes the decision to marry someone, it is a commitment that rules out all of their options. And you'll find that in the Bible often our commitment to Christ is described as a marriage bond. 
So when I receive the gift of faith, one of the things that happens is the Lord regularly causes me to make a commitment to Him that rules out other options. And as He gives you faith for a specific facet of your life, be it for your business, your children, your family, a new house, things that God is interested in, for your knowledge of Him that increases by faith, He will always break you through a threshold of commitment. None of us here have ever grown in faith without a commitment. I can remember in the church that I first received Christ, it was a regular practice on Sunday night that if someone had received Christ that week, they would share their, we called it their testimony, in that evening service. And I remember, well, I'd led a friend of mine named Barry to Christ, and we were interviewing him, and Barry got up, and they asked him, well, how do you feel now that you've received Christ? And Barry had a drug problem before he'd met the Lord, and kind of a rough guy, a barroom musician. And, and he got up and said, well, I feel blankety-blank good these days. And, and <clears throat> I was just devastated because, this, you know, everyone looked at me like, another one of Murin's converts, all right. And, and, and yet that practice that we did of having people share their faith was good because it caused us to make a commitment. Water baptism is making a commitment. Your faith and my faith will remain inauthentic if it doesn't have commitment involved in it. Two, it has the element of continuance, or three rather. It's a gift, has commitment. Third, has the element of continuance. Now, what do I mean by that? It has the capacity to continue on through thresholds. To continue on beyond comfort zones. Hebrews 11 talks in the most part about authentic faith being able to be intact under pressure and under longer periods of time than we are comfortable living with. Authentic faith persistently goes on in in a character trait of continuance that involves persistence, or the Bible uses the word perseverance. Authentic faith perseveres. And some of you are considering Christ for the first time this morning. You need to know the authentic kind is not a try it out and see kind. It is a kind that says, I will persevere in this and my character will rise to the degree I've committed to Christ. Let me tell the story. There's a biblical illustration of this. Abram. Abram, the Bible says, was 80 plus, and Sarah, his wife, was 80 plus, and God came to him and said, they're going to have a kid. I mean, Sarah's a number of decades past menopause. She's not ovulated. Abram, evidently, as you read the text, hasn't been too interesting either for quite some period of time. And yet they're going to have a child. And the Bible says they had faith and Romans 4 says they believed, they hoped against hope and thought, okay. And they had a child, Isaac, 80 plus years old. Never happened since. But it was a miracle of God. They had to continue on. The Bible also says that Abram was told that they would be a land they would receive, that his descendants would number as the stars of the heavens and the sands of the sea. Now he didn't ever see that, but he continued to his death believing that he continued. Authentic faith has a continuance to it. It, You continue to persevere. I've discovered this about authentic faith. It must go through thresholds of great resistance if it's biblical kind. If you're going to come to Christ, you will be challenged by the enemy of your soul. We know him to be named Satan. As soon as you make a decision, you will go through a rigorous, challenging time, and you will need to choose, even in the face of doubt, to believe. 
The Bible describes faith as a marriage. You'll, you'll find a synonymous use of this concept that when one makes the decision to marry someone, it is a commitment that rules out all of their options. And you'll find that in the Bible often our commitment to Christ is described as a marriage bond. So when I receive the gift of faith, one of the things that happens is the Lord regularly causes me to make a commitment to Him that rules out other options. And as He gives you faith for a specific facet of your life, be it for your business, your children, your family, a new house, things that God is interested in, for your knowledge of Him that increases by faith, He will always break you through a threshold of commitment. None of us here have ever grown in faith without a commitment. I can remember in the church that I first received Christ, it was a regular practice on Sunday night that if someone had received Christ that week, they would share their, we called it their testimony, in that evening service. And I remember, well, I'd led a friend of mine named Barry to Christ, and we were interviewing him, and Barry got up, and they asked him, well, how do you feel now that you've received Christ? And Barry had a drug problem before he'd met the Lord, and kind of a rough guy, a barroom musician. And, and he got up and said, well, I feel blankety-blank good these days. And, and I was just devastated because, the, you know, everyone looked at me like another one of Murin's converts, all right. And, and, and yet that practice that we did of having people share their faith was good because it caused us to make a commitment. Water baptism is making a commitment. Your faith and my faith will remain inauthentic if it doesn't have commitment involved in it. Two, it has the element of continuance, or three rather. It's a gift, has commitment. Third, has the element of continuance. Now, what do I mean by that? It has the capacity to continue on through thresholds. To continue on beyond comfort zones. Hebrews 11 talks in the most part about authentic faith being able to be intact under pressure and under longer periods of time than we are comfortable living with. Authentic faith persistently goes on in in a character trait of continuance that involves persistence, or the Bible uses the word perseverance. Authentic faith perseveres. And some of you are considering Christ for the first time this morning. You need to know the authentic kind is not a try it out and see kind. It is a kind that says, I will persevere in this and my character will rise to the degree I've committed to Christ. Let me tell the story. There's a biblical illustration of this. Abram. Abram, the Bible says, was 80 plus, and Sarah, his wife, was 80 plus, and God came to him and said they're going to have a kid. I mean, Sarah's a number of decades past menopause. She's not ovulated. Abram, evidently, as you read the text, hasn't been too interesting either for quite some period of time. And yet they're going to have a child. And the Bible says they had faith And Romans 4 says they believed, they hoped against hope and thought, okay. And they had a child, Isaac, 80 plus years old. Never happened since. But it was a miracle of God. They had to continue on. The Bible also says that Abram was told that they would be a land they would receive, that his descendants would number as the stars of the heavens and the sands of the sea. Hey, uh, a lot of people ask me, how can I get my friend to hear this? I like this message today. Very simply, first, go to Krista, our our main station. Go to Krista Radio, their podcast. Every show we've done is on their podcast site, and you can direct people there. 
And there, I, I think I've done at least one or two decent shows. You can go there and listen. They've got other, of course, uh, people that minister that are there as, as well. It's really a very, very good site on the podcast for Krista. Or you can go to my website, which is DougMurinRadio.com. DougMurinRadio.com. And if you'd like to uh, contribute, as I say, to our advancing, more outreach-oriented type programming, which is like three-minute spots we're working on, as well as a regular program, just go to the website there, and it'll tell you how to do it, where to mail, uh, if you want to send a gift, or you can just go right to PayPal there. And, uh, boy, I look forward to joining you again next week, or if not sooner. And another way to support the Caught on Tape broadcast, when you purchase Logos Bible software products, a portion of those proceeds will benefit this radio program. Just go to logos.com slash caught on tape. That's logos.com slash caught on tape. Caught on Tape with Doug Murin is a listener and friend-supported program. Your help with the show and expanding the evangelism events of Doug Murin is appreciated. You can write Doug Murin, Caught on Tape, at 1806 5th Street, Wenatchee, Washington, 98801, or online at DougMurinRadio.com.